You wanna hold her, please? Then you got to, got to try a little tenderness. <laughs> Morning, everybody. This is Donkey. Oh, my God. <laughs> my name's Emma. I am Tilly. And today we come to you live from the swamp. I would like to start with a little story, something that happened to me today. It's not even part of the episode. I was coming home from work and a lady was passing me on the street and she was wearing a Rocky Horror Picture Show mask. So I looked at it and I was like, wow, I really like that mask. And that was going to be the end of the story. And then I was like, no, you know what? I should tell her. So as we were getting closer, I was like, hey, I really like your mask. And she was like, oh, thank you. I was just going to say I really like your shirt because I'm wearing a queen shirt. I could have passed that lady and not said anything. And not that I'm the type of person to go like fishing for compliments, but it did feel nice. So you know what? If you're thinking about saying the nice thing, say the nice thing. Now back to the swamp. Shrek 1 was the highest grossing animated movie until Toy Story 3. That's nine years. However, it wasn't suspected that it was going to be as big as it was. No, I mean, I'm glad it was. Yeah. And there was a movie that DreamWorks did before Shrek called Prince of Egypt, and it was not a huge success as Shrek was. Still a great movie, if you ask me, but it was expected to be what Shrek became. So animators that failed to perform on Prince of Egypt were sent to go work on Shrek. And that Shrek- is almost completely in line with the storyline of Shrek. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. And Shrek was the one that blew up and became the highest grossing animated movie for nine years. So there you have it, folks. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. From the animation, which we already know is amazing, to the soundtrack, you know, there's countless elements that make Shrek such a staple in pop culture. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Shrek. If you don't like Shrek, I don't think I could trust you. I'd think maybe he's consompatitating for something. (laughs) Anyway, let's rate them. What is our favorite? What is our least favorite? I think I can speak for both of us. The fourth one friggin' sucked. (laughs) I don't know if it friggin' sucked, but it was not good. Like, I watched it and I was like, I can't. It didn't follow the Shrek formula, which I'll talk about more later. And that was its biggest flaw. That's why it sucked. Oh, and it's worth noting that we are not rating Puss in Boots or any of the shorts that have come out of the Shrek series. Just the four main movies. Okay, so four we can agree is fourth place. Yeah, everything that's good about the Shrek series, like the the characters. I mean, we still get the characters. Yeah. Like, we only really get Shrek. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack is not as good in the fourth one. And the villain kind of (laughs) sucked. Like, like the villain makes the movies. Mm -hmm. Rumpel just was not threatening. Par for the course, I put Shrek the third in third place. I understand, but I cannot agree. (laughs) I don't think it really made an impact on the franchise, and I don't like Justin Timberlake. My third place is Shrek 1. Although it's a classic and it sets everything up, I I put the third above it. This was such a hard choice for me. Like, I hate saying that it's not the top two. Mm -hmm. On the scale, it's like the fourth one is on the floor. Dare I say in the cellar. (laughs) The next three are above the roof. On the fifth story. They shouldn't even be in the same... Yeah, I don't, I don't even like that they're in the same boat, yeah. to be honest. And if Shrek 5 doesn't step it back up. If it even comes out, because it's stuck in production hell. Well, that'll end eventually. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Well, the first Shrek is my second place. Mine is Shrek 3rd. And then, obviously, I'm sure anyone would say the same. Shrek 2 is number one. And Anyone that disagrees can... <laughs> Thelonious, you were saying. So, I would love to 
jump into what makes Shrek so special specifically. Well, okay. What makes Shrek a Shrek movie? Well, you're speaking to the right person because I love stories. I love story driven movies, video games, anything that I can consume that has the necessary qualities to make an impact. Pulling apart fantastic works of art is absolutely fascinating to me. So I did that with Shrek. So the first Shrek movie hit theaters in 2001 and it was at its core parodying the concept of a fairy tale. It gives us familiar side characters, you know, the fairy tale creatures, the nursery rhyme characters, the three blind mice, gingerbread man, Pinocchio. And that sort of instills the idea to the audience that this is something we not only know, but are like totally familiar with. If I went outside right now, anybody could tell me the story of Little Red Riding Hood or Goldilocks and the Three Bears. However, Shrek 1 to 3 particularly introduces and keeps reintroducing the theme of imperialism in the film, which is... A brand new concept in the term of fairy tales, but it still follows the steps of a fairy tale. It plays with some of the steps and the concepts with a brilliant amount of irony, if you ask me, which keeps it fresh and maintains that status of a parody. Shrek might be the greatest parody film ever. And it's such a shame that because it's animated and it's a kid's movie, it gets so overlooked. Like when you think of other great parody films, you got what? Austin Powers. Airplane. Yeah, The Naked Gun, uh, anything Monty Python. Whoever thinks of Shrek. The antithesis of fairy tale. Yeah. So going into that, what are the elements of a fairy tale? Special beginning. Beginnings. A special beginning. So special we get, begin onions. <laughs> we get that at literally the beginning of every Shrek film. The first lines of Shrek 1 are, once upon a time, there was a lovely princess. The intro to the good character. So instead of the intro to the good character, that's where this irony comes in. We get Shrek. We get an evil character, which is not necessarily someone that evil. It's Lord Farquaad. And then in the same stroke, we get the introduction of royalty, which is a staple of a fairy tale. We get the magic or enchantments, Donkey and Fiona's Curse, and of course, all the magic mirror. Yeah, fairy tale creatures and, and beings and all them. And I think that's why it had the reception that it did, because it gave us fresh themes and fresh social issues, but still managed to keep the fairy tale formula intact at the same time was parodying it. <laughs> Also, another theme is fear-mongering. Have I completely forgotten the plot of the first Shrek? It becomes very apparent in the first movie when Donkey asks Shrek, he's like, what you got against the whole world anyway? And Shrek is like, I'm not the one with the problem, okay? The world seems to have a problem with me. Mm. First of all, amazing Mm. scene. Secondly, we see this before he even says that. In the earlier scene when fairy tale creatures are being sold to Farquaad's men. We even see Geppetto selling his own creation, his own son. And it's like, why are you selling Pinocchio away? Because one, you can get money for it. Two, the government quote is telling you to. And three, because you don't understand. So you're like, I can't gain from this. There's a bit of foreshadowing there that makes that moment hit so much heavier and have so much pull. And it's those little details that pile up like a block tower that pile up so high and then all of a sudden it just falls down. If you ask me, the Shrek series has perfected that completely because they just do it over and over and over again in ways that you don't even notice until you start analyzing it. Without a doubt, one of the biggest selling points of Shrek is the soundtrack. Oh, you spoke to my heart. Like... The first one, the second one, the third one, they all have arguably perfect soundtracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Not arguably, perfect soundtracks. I mean, shall I even just like name a few? I yeah. mean, we have Smash Mouth yeah. opening the film to perhaps the most iconic song of our generation. Uh-huh. Like not a single person can go, hey now. You don't even have to go, hey now. You just have to go, psalm. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Like just one word in a specific way. Yeah. 
Like, then accidentally in love. Oh, So there you go. Two <laughs> openings to two films and they're perfect. Yeah, they're absolutely great. Sucka, you know, I'm just going to say it right now. Your ranking is the correct ranking. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just like shut my mouth. I don't care. I'll accept it. Accidentally in love was written for Shrek. That song only exists on the Shrek 2 soundtrack. That's incredible because there's so many other songs that only exist on that soundtrack. There's a version of Changes by David Bowie. I'm not even going to talk about I Need a Hero because that's a whole Yo, page of my notes on its own. Are you own. serious right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a whole page? A whole two pages. Not only is the soundtrack great, what was released on CD as music that was used in the films, but the original score composed for the film, for the films, uh, amazing. The the theme song, Fairy Tale, like put it up there with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, Jurassic Park. Most of those are John Williams. Damn. Anyway, you know what? Did John Williams also do the Shrek movies? He did not. I thought for a second he might have because it kind of has that sound. It's composed by Harry Gregson Williams and John Powell. Immaculate. Amazing job, guys. That's the score music that's composed for the movie. Source music is music that they put in movies like it's pre-existing. It would be something like Funky Town. The way they use source music, which is arguably harder than score to, to implement because score, you can just like mold however you want it to fit the scene. But source music, anytime you want to sync it with film of any it kind. It has to be like curated very so perfectly. Perfect. Yeah. And it has to be timed mm -hmm. with the animation. And it has like, to keep it interesting. It has to illustrate what's going on. It dictates how you're supposed to be feeling. And to do that with source music is so difficult because you can't just be like, oh, I want this music cue, a cymbal smash to be here. Like you have to know the song mm -hmm. and frame it around the music. It's incredible the way they use that in Shrek. That being said, when it is the most emotional, they use score, which I think is the key. You cannot rely on pop music to dictate the entire film. There's something Riverdale. about music. Hmm? Riverdale. Exactly. Actually, Riverdale is a perfect example because it has very little original score, but it relies on pop music a lot to convey emotional messages. It is so difficult to do that because people already have preconceived ideas attached to those songs, especially when they're really, really well-known songs like something like Funky Town. Especially when you use a song that... Uh doesn't fit the mood and exactly. you change it to make it try to fit the mood and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't I'm sorry. work. I'm the music sorry, has to, the music will always dictate the scene. Funky Town was the best addition to the whole soundtrack. It was, like it was so good. Donkey, like doing his little <laughs> dance on the back of the onion cart, the sweeping camera of all of the far, far away kingdom. I love, 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 love in that scene. They show like what would be the Hollywood Hills. Yes, yes. And you get to see Snow White, Cinderella. Remember and, Rapunzel, yeah, Rapunzel with, with her hair? hair? Yeah. <laughs> like you get to see the houses. And then the next movie, we get to see all, all of those of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is pretty cool. I love that. Because it's like, <laughs> oh, it makes sense that Fiona is friends with all these people. Yeah. They all live here. Yeah. And she is a fairy tale princess. Yeah. So again, using pop music to illustrate the scenes, but not the most emotional ones, right? The most emotional ones are when Shrek and Fiona meet for the first time. You hear fairy tale, which is that opening theme. When they're running away from dragon. Again, score. When Fiona turns into an ogre. Score. It's just incredible how they have found the perfect balance between using pop music and using score to illustrate the story. Also, Shrek's karaoke dance party and Far, Far Away Idol. The, I think the comedic timing in Shrek is better than any animated film. Yes. Sometimes they rely, animated films rely too much on what you're seeing. Yeah. And like making it really cartoony and like crazy out of this world. But Shrek is just so, although it's about a fairy tale world and like all these crazy mythical creatures and like whatever, it is so grounded. So it makes it feel more real than it is. 
if yes. that makes sense. Yes. Like the humor is human. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because they have such a great cast, that really comes across. So many big names in Shrek that you forget about. Like obviously Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy, Antonio Banderas. You also have Jennifer Saunders as Fairy Godmother. You have Rupert Everett as Prince Charming. Harold is John Cleese, Lillian Julie Andrews. Your girl Doris is friggin' Larry King. Thankfully, they had the, the money to cast all these different people in the second one. You absolutely 100%, without a doubt, can rely on these names to perform the way they did. Even if you hadn't seen Shrek yet and you were like, this is the lineup, you know it's going to be a good movie. And something that DreamWorks did a lot, which I like, some people don't like this, but I am a huge fan, is they made the characters look like the actors. I like, absolutely like Harold like looks like John Cleese. Yes. Donkey looks like Eddie Murphy. Shrek looks like Mike Myers. Cameron Diaz is Fiona. Those eyes are the same. That's true. The facial expressions. Yeah. Yeah. Ever I think that so plays into it makes it more human. Yeah, exactly. And it subtly reminds you that this cast is amazing. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. You know what else is good and not in an ironic way? Podcasts. You know what else is good? Board games. Recently, we have been listening to a podcast called We're So Bored. It's hosted by Jake and Rachel, and every episode, they take a close look at a tabletop game to answer the question, will this cure their boredom? They break down the mechanics, complexity, and replayability of all sorts of different kind of board games. They release episodes bi-weekly on Tuesdays, and in their episode tomorrow, that's Tuesday, September 14th, they will be doing a board game giveaway. Who doesn't like the chance at winning free stuff? So please check them out on all your major streaming platforms. That's We're with an apostrophe, so B-O-A-R-D. Speaking of games, you know what else is great? Shrek 2 the video game. Shrek 2 the video game. We derailed so far. We were talking about the music. (laughs) So let's go back to the music. I would like to... I say let's go back to the music, but I'm also segueing away from it a little bit. I would just like to say that Shrek is the perfect sequel. What are the elements of a sequel? A successful sequel. There are a lot of unsuccessful sequels. Shrek 2 happens to be one of the successful ones. The successful ones expand the universe in meaningful ways introduce new themes and expand upon the ones established in the first movie and leave an impact on the franchise. I think those are the holy trinity of making a successful sequel. So did it expand the universe of Shrek in meaningful ways? Absolutely. Far, far away. Like you already said. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's absolutely mind blowing. We went from Shrek's swamp and an abandoned castle in Duloc to this whole universe. We went from like Scott Pilgrim to the Marvel series. Honestly, I didn't want to step on any toes by comparing it to something so broad. Far, far away is comparable to the Harry Potter universe. It has like its own you magic. Said it. Yeah, <laughs> it has its own magic. It has its own, like it's not just the town of far, or the city of far, far away. Mm-hmm. There's the magical forests. There's Worcestershire. 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 <laughs> There's fairy godmothers. Cottage establishment factory. Also hilarious that her little cottage is industrialized. That's hilarious. Mm. Anyway, did it expand the universe in in meaningful ways? Check. Did it introduce new themes and expand upon the ones established in the first Shrek? Absolutely. We still have prejudice against Shrek as an ogre. It expanded on the whole idea of prejudice by introducing this idea of like self-worth because a big part of Shrek's adventure and his story in the second one is that he's like, oh, I need to step up to be good enough for Fiona and, and good enough he, for like, her family. Almost gives up. Yeah, exactly. So check, check. And then he becomes a man. Yo, that's a fine man. Forget that man. That stallion. <laughs> oh, I'm a stallion, baby. Uh, does it leave an impact on the franchise? Absolutely. It introduces so many new characters, fan favorites. It continues to develop the characters we already know from the first one. And it introduces two of the richest 
scariest villains ever created. I want to talk about villains for a second. Okay. In essence, the first one had a entertaining butt of the joke mm-hmm. villain. Yeah. His whole existence was a joke. And it continued that that parody idea because he wasn't yeah. even scary. Yeah. And then the fourth one, you know, Rumpelstiltskin. He wasn't. He didn't convey what you want from a villain. Exactly. And he didn't add to the formula of Shrek. You know, when Fairy Godmother's making that potion and she's like, and just a drop of this and a sprinkle of that and some lust or whatever she says. Mm-hmm. Shrek is a is an intricate formula like that. And parody is, you know how she takes that gallon of lust and dips it in? That's how much parody you need. Mm-hmm. So having your villain as Rumpelstiltskin isn't exactly a parody. Because he is a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's a villain in all the stories. Yeah, like, literally. <laughs> like, it was kind of... Like, he's in the... He's in the bar. Actually, also, it's this different annoyed me. That yeah. annoyed me very yeah, much. Me I was too. like, why? So, very, like, unconvincing and kind of pathetic. The second one and the third one, because Prince, Char- Prince Charles... Prince Charles? Prince Charming. You kind of understand where all of the villains are coming from. Mm-hmm. He goes to that bar and he makes this big speech like... Why are you the one that's down in the dumps? You know what? You got a point there. Like it was a good, not redemption, but like a good revenge story. Mm -hmm. And then he brought in all these other villains, which again, expands on the universe. And like the villain makes the movie. But in the second one, fairy (laughs) godmother. (laughs) (laughs) The villain of all time. Littlefinger would be like, I think maybe this woman is going too far. (laughs) She is... Everything that you want from a villain. Yeah. She exudes charisma. I don't know that she has like a good point. Like you can't really sympathize with her. But you also kind of can because she just wants what's best for her son. That's true. And what she thinks is best for Fiona. Uh You learn that Fairy Godmother is the one who cursed Mm -hmm. Fiona. So this is years. And she has been plotting. Again, the irony, because you always think of the Fairy Godmother as the helper, the friends and allies. (laughs) But no, she is the absolute opposite. Yep. And talk about. A little bit of lust. Boy, she got it. That red dress. Mm. Placing a fairy godmother and Prince Charming together as a villain duo. Woo! That was such a curveball. Damn. Back to the music. Right. Let's talk more about this woman. Mm. She's saying, I need a hero. First of all, amazing. Jennifer Saunders, A+. plus. Second Did of all. She, hold on. You're telling me that Jennifer Saunders recorded that? Yes. Perfect song. It was an original rendition of the song written for the movie. Before I go on. Shrek is not the perfect movie. Shrek 2 is not the perfect movie. Shrek 2 is the perfect sequel. Ah. And this I Need a Hero scene is the perfect scene. Hands down. I don't care what anybody says. This scene is absolutely captivating. (laughs) As I was talking about earlier, the song has to fit the mood. It has to remind you what the stakes are. It has to dictate how you're going to feel. And it has to be a good song. First of all, great song. Great song, great rendition, Footloose Who. It reminds us of what the stakes are and it builds enough tension to stand next to, I'm going to say it, it builds enough tension musically to stand next to Hamilton. And that is not something I say lightly. I cannot believe that you of all people just said that. Like I would put this scene beside Satisfied easily, any day. I don't know what that means, but okay. Every shot of this scene is carefully chosen to serve the narrative. Not only does it build that tension through the characters putting themselves in harm's way and Mongo, this gentle giant, going the same way as Hodor by the end of the scene. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to compare him to Hodor. Nobody likes to see the gentle giant go down. And it happens in this scene. So it reminds you just how dangerous everything is at this moment. Even the camera angles used. Take your pick. Again, it's something that's animated. They had to be so intricate about what the scenes needed to look like. The spinning camera zooming in on Fairy Godmother on the piano. Like, how do you animate that? And then her breaking the fourth wall and going, hit it. That just reminds you that this is not real. She is up to something this whole time. Yes, go ahead. Kyle was iconic. Slap that prince on the sexy tush, bro. He can drive a carriage. (laughs) He can play the piano. He can wear that glitter. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Mongo loses his gumdrop button to remind us of those high stakes again. Right after that happens, Shrek gets to the drawbridge. There is this blink. Actually, it's not even blinking. You miss a moment. It's just like really underappreciated. Shrek just narrowly swings into that drawbridge. But as he lands, it cuts to Prince Charming's feet landing on the dance floor. And that just draws that comparison between them that much more. And again, reminds you at what's at stake. Like they are so close to Fiona, both of them. So the visual comparisons are amazing because like, how do you do it? How do you how do you decide? How do you decide what the camera angles are going to be in an animation? They also incorporate the score into this rendition of I Need a Hero. There's elements from the most exciting scene of Shrek 1. Shrek, Fiona, and Donkey are running in slow motion from Dragon. There are elements of that part of the score in I Need a Hero. So it subtly reminds you how intense this is supposed to feel. All of these are contributing factors to creating one of the best cinematic scenes of all time. DreamWorks didn't have to go as hard as they did, but they did for us. Also, the side characters. You get that scene where Fiona and all the princesses and all that like run. Charming comes in and is asking the fairy tale people, where did they go? Where is Shrek? And you get that nothing short of nonsensical rambling from Pinocchio. Oh, where he's like, I can't can't really say if I know know exactly where he is or is not. But like, (laughs) that is hilarious to me. Like, because like you think about Pinocchio and it's really a simple concept. They hammer it in. If he tells a lie, his nose grows. That's it. I'm not wearing ladies underwear. And then it stays and they're like, what the hell? man?" (laughs) Like, Jinji's like, dog, like fix yourself. Yeah. You get that. And then you also get Genji just going, come drop. Oh, he yeah, just yeah, breaks. Yeah. He breaks. And it's like, that's hilarious. And he's just like <laughs> off the rocker. And then you get the three pigs. Sausage roll. Like, it's so, it's like all of them are just perfect. They all feed off of each other. That group of characters, the fairy tale creatures, have some of the best lines in all of the movies. Like, there's so many. Lord Farquaad, he huffed and he puffed and he signed an eviction notice. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man, the Muffin Man. And it's so funny because those elements of those characters have like carried on throughout all three films. Again, that goes back to that whole the I need a hero scene. First movie, we see Jinji's interrogation. Not the gumdrop buttons. And then when Mongo loses his gumdrop yes. button, you're like, oh, sh- ah! you do not know what you just did to yeah. this man. <laughs> it's so good how they carry things over. Yeah, like who would have thought that, Uh, I don't know. Like maybe two minute scene involving Jinji in the first movie would amount to him being the fan favorite side character. Like who would have thought? Like seriously. Even some of the characters that are not reoccurring characters are so funny. I have so many Shrek references in my head. Go for it. Let's start a count. 
One. Well, hi there. Welcome to Fryer's Fat Boy. Can I take your order? Two. Pick number three, my lord. Three. I'll be true. Enough. Four. And I am rescuing you from this beast. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty freaking good. Oh, thank you, mother. The humor is just so good. And even like the pop culture references, they hold up. It's so funny that it's a movie so heavily rooted in irony. And then it's also ironic that it has so many pop culture references. It became. It is Anakin Skywalker. It became what it set out to destroy. <laughs> oh, I just think that's so funny that it it's just irony to the core. And speaking of the references to other movies, to music, to whatever, there is a scene in the first one. I don't even know if this is what they set out to do because like, I don't even know if they thought Shrek was going to be successful. Anyway, there is a scene in Shrek 1 when Fiona is fighting Robin Hood and the Merry Men. And she does the Matrix, the Trinity jump and the 360 camera. First of all, great pop culture reference because most people have seen the Matrix and you instantly know what that's from. That 360 still camera was made for the Matrix. That was the first time it was used. So the fact that they used a reference so important to film and was a really revolutionary film for a genre and then the movie it was in became so important to animation is just beyond me. It is the definition of irony. There is a rumor. I agree with everything that you said. Yes. Uh, there is a rumor that they recorded most of Shrek 1. And then Mike Myers was like, I imagine, I imagine the pitch meeting for this idea when as such mike myers walks into a room full of like executive decision makers hey guys you've all seen austin powers right and they go well yeah we're huge fans and he goes remember that really like disgusting <laughs> over the top horrendously vulgar scottish guy that's I need one. that voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shrek was actually stuck in a bit like Shrek 5 is now. Shrek 1 was stuck in a bit of a production hell because it just hit so many roadblocks and speed bumps. One of which happened to be Chris Farley was going to be Shrek. And Are you kidding me right now? this man passed away in 1997. That's how long Shrek was in production for. So they had to find someone to replace him. They came up with Mike Myers and then Mike Myers did his Canadian accent because he's a Canadian guy. And that's where your story picks up. He did the Canadian accent and then thought, you know what? This isn't right. And in this man's own words, the Shrek voice is a Scottish man who has lived in Canada for 40 years. So that weird mixed accent, that's that's what it is. <laughs> but it's iconic. You can't do the Shrek voice and not know that it's Shrek. Also, speaking of Shrek voice, the line changes good donkey. It doesn't exist. It's a Mandela effect. I don't even know what line you're talking about. Like people think that there's a line where Shrek goes, changes good donkey. Reddit, I went into the Reddit rabbit hole. There are multiple people who believed that was in the movie. It wasn't. Like it wasn't. It just wasn't. This line came from nowhere. You could just cross over the shrek -iverse. Oh, probably. And they all lived happily ever after. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Geek Squared Show, the show where we talk about the things that we talk about. My name's Emma. And I am Tilly. Like always, our socials are down below if you want to give us a follow, as well as our Buy Me A Coffee if you would like to fund the chaos. We are here every week with a brand new episode on Mondays, so tune in next week. Shrek is love, Shrek is life, and have a great day! Come on, Maui. Uh-huh. 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 Uh -huh.